why do you think country houses have captured the capture the imagination of audiences so much in in films because you know looking at the success of saltburn for example um and actually so many films are named after the houses you know it's interesting downton abbey gosford park um bridgerton well bridgerton is is not just a place it's also a title but you know um so many um films are um are named after um the, the fictional house that that is the main character in the film, and why do you think country houses capture the, uh, the 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 minds of their audiences so much? I do think it's their beauty. They are magnificent works of architecture, the finest in the country, and I think this is one of the main reasons it draws the public to national trust properties or houses that families open to the public is that these are beautiful settings it's like walking within a painting and of course when you see it on the screen and um, you have fine costumes and beautiful camera work it's just accentuating that beauty that you see in person when you visit these properties and although they may share characteristics across the country as all families across countries do they are their individual. They are the built representation of that family. So uh, we'll, back to Wilton again. This is an organic uh, development of one house, but it grew when the house, when the family prospered, and it stayed as was when the family were, um, I suppose, not as prosperous or rather happy with the current uh, status of things. And these houses, as they have grown over many generations, like families, the collections of furniture, it's not all from 1820 or 1890 or 1710. It's a collection over the years, and you will have um, a 1730s um, side table beside um uh, an 1820s couch, for example, and they'll have the wear and tear, perhaps, maybe they've been reupholstered, they've been repaired, but there is what's called in interiors the country house style, the country house aesthetic, and this is uh, sort of worn and torn, but still a grand and beautiful piece of furniture. And when all this is seen on the screen, now, of course, with films, Downton Abbey, The Crown, etc., they will bring their own uh, props for the set but you will often see particularly in Downton Abbey the the paintings are the same paintings of course the family have they are suited to the room and a lot of the time such as back to Wilton again I suppose the double cube room as beautiful as it is was designed for the Van Dyke group Van Dyke paintings the Van Dyke paintings were from 1635 the room wasn't designed until the 1650s. So the objects in the room are often as important as the architecture itself, if not more so. They led the design decisions of the architect. And as you say, Jeff, that the title of these films generally comes from the house, be it a fictitious name, that shows how dominant they are in our in our mindset, um, I suppose in the popular in the popular culture, and um, they are 
they have continuity that you don't find in a city. In the countryside, things change slower, whereas in the city, you have buildings they will come and go. So, of course, in the city, if you have a 500-year-old building, it's extra special because it survived all the changes. But in the countryside, um, although, of course, we did talk about houses being demolished in the 19th century and rebuilt, you will find more, um, I suppose, older bones, um, Francis Fulford finally said that uh, a country house is like a Hollywood actress, to that the bones are old, but the face is forever changing. And um, I think with Danton, uh, with Heitler, that's a perfect example of that. If you scrape away the, the stone exterior and that Jacobethan facade, you will find the Georgian Palladian house. And um, of course, you can't see that on the screen, but there is uh, there's a there's a soul to these houses, and I think that it does translate across the screen, and that's what speaks to the audience. It's interesting, Connie. You talked about um, the collections as well within these houses that that change over time and and um, and come from lots of different periods. Even if the you know, so like you said, you know, there are certain houses that perhaps have been demolished or rebuilt, but pieces of furniture within those houses come from further back from previous houses that stood on the site or from other houses that the family might have owned. I'm thinking of, of Mentmore Towers, which we've talked about before as being um, the house that um, was saved in the, in the late seventies, early eighties that really turned heads in the sense of it was, it was going to be demolished and it was saved. Um, it's still not used. It's still empty and uh, derelict, but the, the sale of the contents of Mentmore Towers, it was a Rothschild house in Buckinghamshire. Uh, the house itself has been used in lots of films. It was used in Batman Begins. It was used in The Mummy Returns. Um, Johnny English, uh, Inspector Morse episodes. Um, it looks not dissimilar to High Clear, actually. It's, it's, it's again, it's um, sort of Jacobethan um, and um, it was designed by Joseph Paxton. Uh, who we talked about in a previous episode as well, I believe. Um, but again, it's got the four towers, uh, one on each corner, and it's again in sort of a yellow sandstone um, with like in High Clear, like uh, in Downton Abbey, it's got that sort of double height um, central hall, uh, sort of an atrium, a saloon um, in the middle of the house. But what was interesting was the Rothschild collection, of course, was was famous for being one of the most valuable collections in England, or indeed in the world. Um and at Mentmore, they had, I was speaking to uh, my friend's mother who was brought up at, at Mentmore, and she was saying that they used to have a different sort of period of furniture in each of the four towers. So one of the towers had uh, sort of Russian furniture from the palaces of, of Catherine the Great, and another tower might have had uh, English furniture by Chippendale and others. Another, another tower would have had French furniture, and another tower might have had um, sort of Belgian or German furniture. So it was really interesting how these four towers were split up in, in, into themes because the Rothschilds is such an extraordinary collection. And, and that sale was a great country house sale when the, the entire con or most of the contents was auctioned um, in the 80s. And it was it was huge. It was over several days. Um, interestingly, thinking about house that's in the, um, in sort of, it might be in our listeners' uh, minds from more recently, if anyone's seen Enola Holmes, the Netflix um, films, uh, about Sherlock Holmes's sister, um, the house in in the first um, Enola Holmes film, uh, which is used as the house of uh, the main the main male character, 
um, Hatfield belongs to the Marquess of Salisbury, but I think it was either the current Marquess or a previous Marquess who said that if a collection isn't changed, it dies. So he's a bit like the Dukes of Devonshire at Chatsworth. He has a habit of doing occasional attic sales where he might auction off some old pieces to buy some new pieces. So at Chatsworth, you might get a Damien Hurst or a Tracy Emin alongside a Holbein or a Rembrandt. And the same way at Hatfield, you get similar. You get you get that that the fresher, more contemporary artists uh, living a, a sort of by jowl with with older artists and furniture designers. And I think that's a lovely. I mean, obviously, not all um, not all families who live in these grand houses can can do that. Um, but but it's certainly um, it's a lovely thought, isn't it? Interesting where what Connor was saying about uh, why are we choose why they choose these houses and i do think there is um i I mean the director is telling a story and there is so much story to be told uh based on the nuances of the architecture and how each house is really individualistic and i I haven't watched enola homes but you said that was in hatfield house and uh hatfield obviously one of the more famous film locations because i know it from batman (laughs) many of the batman films as well as uh you know the favorite uh as well as uh the king's speech i I mean even even uh lara croft tomb raider i think was filmed there but i i I look at the different characters that that sort of all meet at hatfield and think well why hatfield and I think that Jacobean style really lends to quite an eccentric, mysterious sort of not everything's as it seems kind of kind of look because Jacobean is quite uh, different to say the kind of character that would be placed intentionally inside a Palladian house. You know that I'm sure there's something to it, and I love that um, storytelling aspect of choosing which house. A specific character should be in it's interesting you you we've talked about a lot of houses and they've all they're all actually apart from lime park in cheshire which was in the um the colin firth adaption of um pride and prejudice all these houses that we talked about are, are still privately owned and it's interesting in you know, the national trust and english heritage own so many houses but they're they're rarely used in films and 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 tv shows and i wonder if that's i mean I, clearly because lime park was used in pride and prejudice the national trust don't mind their properties being used as film locations but it's interesting that film scout that location scouts and film producers prefer to use private homes i don't know if that's part of their sort of idea of philanthropic giving in the sense of you know helping revitalize these houses whether it's because the families are easier to deal with than the trust or whether it's simply because these homes still feel like homes if they're lived in by the families um but i think of uh emma which is probably my favorite jane austen it was the first jane austen book i ever read um and there have been some great adaptions of Emma over the years, but all of those adaptions that I can think of were um, were filmed at, at, at private houses. So, so my favorite my favorite adaption of Emma is the um, the one with Gwyneth Paltrow, the nineteen ninety six adaption, where um, Came House, which I think I've talked about before briefly, it's a really pretty smaller um, sort of Palladian classical house near Dorchester in Dorset, um, really pretty um, sort of Portland stone. Um, sort of silvery gray um seven bays across i believe or maybe five bays across i think it's seven uh, so that's windows across uh with with a pediment and it's very much your your typical almost doll's house um 
Palladian country house. Uh, again, it's been used in very, it's not been used in many, uh, many film locations, uh, but I, I fell in love with that house because I think it's the perfect size for a country house. It's, it's not a stately home, but it's, it's, a, it's a grand house and it's, it's really pretty. And, and actually Dorset has a, has a, a glut of, of really beautiful houses. I think in, um, in that adaption of Emma. So came house was used as, as Emma Woodhouse's house, um, Hartfield, but Donhead Abbey, which was Mr. Knightley's house, which was the neighboring estate was also filmed in Dor- Dorset. It was filmed at Critchell house, which is an extraordinary house, more of a, more, more, more grand than, um, than, than came. Uh, and Critchell famously, the family who owned it sold it for the first time in its history about 10 years ago. Um, it was a huge country house sale. It was all over the, the magazines and the papers. Um, and I think the estate was slightly split up, but an American financier bought most of it and the house, which he's restored beautifully as a private home. Um, so I don't know if it will ever be featured in another f- film in any time soon because it's very much a private home and it's it's owned by someone who doesn't necessarily need the cash. Um, and then the third house in Dorset, which I've talked about before, which is my favourite country house in England, which is Chettle House in, in Dorset, um, English Baroque built by Thomas Archer, red brick with um, stone dressings, is um, was used as William Wilberforce's house in the film Amazing Grace. And again, that was used at a time when it still belonged to the family that built it. And it uh, they desperately needed money. I mean, when Chettle was sold in Country Life about eight years ago, it was in a dire, dire condition. And um, and obviously they, they needed the money from that film location um, in Amazing Grace, the, the movie. But um, it's now been restored by, um, again, uh, a London family or a London and Dorset family who um, who probably, I, I don't think, will, will open it to the public in the future. Um, but the other house, of course, which is similar, was Trafalgar, Trafalgar Park, which we've talked about before, which was also featured in Amazing Grace, um, which Connor's been to and is very fond of, I know. Um, but I'm just thinking about Emma as well, because there have subsequently been two more adaptions of Emma in, in recent decades. And Connor, the, the 2008 adaption of Emma, uh, which house was used in, in that? Yes, the 2009 adaption was a favourite of mine, where it was filmed at Squares Court in Kent. This is a beautiful late 17th century Queen Anne red brick house with uh, a central pediment, perfectly symmetrical ordered facade, uh, dormer windows and tall, beefy red brick chimneys. It stands like a sentinel in the landscape. The avenue of trees ascending the hill behind and the lake in the foreground where if you stand back from the house of course you see the reflection it's beautifully sighted beautiful size house and from the opening scene of the 2009 adaption the house is the central focus and throughout the i believe it was over the course of a few episodes they keep returning to the facade where the the camera itself is ordered by the architecture it's centered and the scene is symmetrical and whether it's snow or it's summer the the positioning of the house is uh, where the director has chosen to place the camera and the great thing about these houses thinking of the entrance hall where you might have columns or archways on a stage, these houses are theatrical. They were 
in many cases, in a way, built to impress. The beauty is to impress. And that's why you'll often see that the great effort is spent on the front and on the entrance hall, the places which most people will see. So thinking of Highclere Castle, the rear elevation, which is onto the outbuildings and the stable, will have far less detail and ornament than what's on the main face. And with Square's Court, the um, entrance hall has beautiful columns. It has um, an ornamented, uh, an adorned entablature. This is the cornice. And with a camera moving across that hall, having columns in the foreground creates movement within the scene. And um, just as with when it was first built in the late 17th century, you can imagine hosting parties there. And this is just as amazing in person as it is on camera. And it was designed with that in mind. As a, This is not only a, a house, a home, but the, the main rooms, that drawing room, the dining room, this is a place to host guests, to put the estate's face forward. The facade is the Sunday best, so to speak. And the the outbuildings, maybe the back or the side, is more of the, the working face of the building. So it just has the essentials in order to weather the storms and survive as a piece of architecture. But it's the front that is uh, the theatrical face. But um, yes, that is perhaps one of my favorite houses. It's in Kent, and um, I believe it's a, it is a family home. It is, yeah. It's owned by the Ward. It's owned by the Ward family, um, who have again been there for centuries. And I actually went to Squarries, um not not too long ago. They've got a, they've got a vineyard again. They diversified, um, like yes. so many estates. So not only do they do um, film locations and weddings, but they also have planted an extensive vineyard that makes award winning sparkling wine. Um, so it's 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 a really cool estate. You know, Kent famously is very um, uh, fertile uh, farming land farmland so it's um it's good that and it's not far from chartwell so which of course was winston churchill's home so for our listeners out there who might be planning a trip of a little tour of country houses um kent is not a bad place to go it's close to london and you've got a mix of really lovely um privately owned and national trust owned properties that you can visit you can go to um uh chartwell and see churchill's paintings and his art studio you can go to Squarey's Court and see um, the vineyard and and the gardens, or you can go to Vita Sattva West's garden, Sissinghurst. Uh, there's uh, Knoll Park in Seven Oaks, which was again the Sattva West family main family home. Um, lots of great, you know. I think it's hard to find a mix of of houses so close together and near London for for people who are potentially coming from abroad. And Kent's a great county for that, as is. Um, as is Hertfordshire and, uh, in fact, all the home counties. Um, but I'm just thinking, going back to Emma, there's, there's always, obviously the most recent adaptation of Emma, which was the one that came out just a couple of years ago with, I think, Anya Taylor-Joy in it. Um, and that is, um, is that Anya Taylor-Joy? I think it might be. Um, yes, it is. Her and Mia Goff. That's right. And, um, and that's filmed at Fell Place in East Sussex. And that's Fell, Fell Place is really... A very very beautiful house. It's um it's belonged to the Gage family since the uh, the fifteenth century, um and is rarely open to the public, rarely used in film locations. Um, it's a it's a, a classical house, but uh, the interior is Tudor, 
and actually the stone they've used to build the external um, fa- facades is is Khan stone from um, from from France, and it it makes the house look with its with its tall sashes, its Venetian windows, its high pitched roof, and its dormers. But particularly with this with this very silvery stone, the house looks almost chateau esque. Um, and it, uh, it it houses an extraordinary collection of of paintings, porcelain, and furniture. I think it has works by Gainsborough, Reynolds, Van Dyck, Raphael, and Zoffany, to name just a few. Um, it's a really, really sort of elegant house. And again, we talked about estate villages in a recent episode. The village of Furl still belongs to the Gage family, and is kept very much intact as a very beautiful, unspoilt village. Um, where where the Gage family honour the, the the rents of, of families who work on the estate and have have worked there for generations, so it's very very difficult to get a lease or or a, a, a tenancy on in, in the village of Furl because it's again its proximity to London makes it popular with um with commuters and and weekenders. But it's a it's a really lovely complete estate with the village, with the post office and the pub and the church. And this beautiful um, chateau-like country house. Um, so that's my sort of my thoughts on 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 my favourite Jane Austen, which is Emma. Um, but uh, are there any other films that Connor, Ben, and you want to um, talk about just that spring to mind before we sort of draw this these episodes to a close? Well, what is your favourite uh, country house film? Connor, not that it's a country house film, but a film that features heavily a, a country house. Well, I would say back to what I mentioned earlier with the double cube room in Wilton. Um, it's a delight whenever it appears in any film. Um, when I saw it in The Crown, I wasn't expecting it. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's well worth a visit. I believe the family do open the house on occasion. Um, in fact, they open it quite a lot. And, of course, Squares Court is just a beautiful uh, set piece, Queen Anne house. But perhaps... A room which we haven't touched on is the gilt drawing room, that which features in Pride and Prejudice uh, in the 2005 adaption as Lady Catherine's uh, Rosings Park. And that was at Burley House. And again, the choice of room, the choice of architecture, these grand ceilings, the magnificent paintings, murals across the wall, and the gold that when we say gilt uh, interior, gilt trimming, uh, a gilding is, is the gold leaf that is used on the moldings, such as the egg and dart that might be within the cornice. And it had a grandness that um, Jane Austen de- de- described as Rosings Parks. And uh, of course, then with Lady Catherine sitting essentially at her throne in this great room. It was the perfect accompaniment to the character. And um, I know we spoke earlier about these houses. You know, they are characters of the film. but And, and it's the beauty that lends it to that. But I also think that, um, and Ben, you touched on this, their individuality, that not so much individuals, but rather 
the family, representations of the family. These are different families across the country, and this is their architecture. This is what they've done over the centuries. And it's with great uh, effort that such a house is created, and so uh, all the more reason to celebrate them. And I, I can't leave without giving an honourable mention to to Kettleson Hall, uh, which uh, featured in one of my favourite sort of period area films, The Duchess, uh, which I, actually Kettleson Hall was used to represent uh, Althorpe. And you'll pronounce me on the correct pronunciation of that, Jeff. Uh, I will. It's, it's Althorpe. Althorpe. You don't pronounce Althorpe, you pronounce it through. All through it, yeah, and of course that that is just—it's just another little—it's just another little way that people like to sort of separate the sheep from the go- sheep from the goats is is uh, is pronunciation. <laughs> it's terrible, and you, you know we've talked about this before, but we need to all just correct each other because um, because it's uh, it's always good to get pronunciation right, and you know I think we've talked before about about certain family names, the Beechams, of course, it's about Beauchamp, uh, but yes. pronounced Beecham or the. Ch- it's, it's it's a clever way that 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 in a nice way people sort of maintain maintain a sort of aloofness perhaps um <laughs> but uh, we haven't we haven't of course talked anything about scottish castles which are of course used in many films yes. um and maybe we've got to do a whole separate episode on on castles in scotland because the the baronial architecture in scotland is of course very popular in um in films i can think of one actually in in the it's not actually in Scotland, so I'm, I'm cheating a bit. But Horsley Towers, which is uh, just outside London, it's now a ho- De Vere Hotel um, in uh, in Surrey, in East Horsley in Surrey. Um, it, it's it's an extraordinary um, sort of baronial German-looking sort of schloss, um, flint with uh, with towers and turrets and battlements, and it's actually used in the Crown in that episode when. Um, when they're digging up uh, reels of of the royal family, when the Nazis are digging up reels of the royal family or be- burying them, I can't remember exactly of um, of them doing um, salutes uh, with um, with Edward the uh, Eighth and Wallace Simpson, um, and uh, and it, it, the scene opens with them outside this this German castle in in Nazi Germany, but actually it's filmed in Surrey um, at this baronial castle. It's worth looking up Horsley Towers. It was built actually as a a gift for um the earl of lovelace's wife ada lovelace who was the only daughter the only legitimate child of lord byron so she was unsurprisingly quite a romantic her father being the most fant- f- famous romantic poet britain's ever seen and um and so as a, as a tribute to ada ada lovelace ada byron as was his family um lord lovelace built this this german schloss to um to sort of play on her romanticism um so that's that's quite a fun house to uh to look up and and i think ben am i right in saying that you're going to be um listing the houses that we mention um in our podcast so that our listeners can can check them out um in their own time is that right yes yes uh, i will I, and i will get more consistent and and better at that but you know it's uh, we've had a number of comments saying that that would be helpful and would enhance their listen. So uh, I will work on doing that. And uh, well, as, as we, as we come to the close of this, it is 
great to spend some time thinking about just another aspect of culture that the country house is deeply entrenched into. Uh, I mean, undeniably, film is a huge part of our culture, but in the coming weeks, we plan to talk about country house opera, uh, another cultural aspect uh, of entertainment, uh, the theatrical nature of country houses. I mean, it's it's so great that uh, it, it is such a central key part of our culture. And, and I... I should say too, Jeff, I have heard the Spencers pronounce it Althorpe. I I swear. So if they're listening, they can you know, drop a message and correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I know <laughs> sure it has Well yeah, before. Nate, you might be right. I, I haven't heard I haven't heard um the Spencers pronounce it. I just heard the architecture editor at Country Life corrected me mm. and told me it was Althorpe back in the day when I worked at the magazine. Um so I, I, I trust him, although he is a medievalist, not a classicist, so he may be wrong on, on Althorp or Althrop, depending on what it is. Um, and there may be two ways to pronounce it. Uh, is this, we, is this we, the we, Anglo-Saxon pronunciation versus the Norman? <laughs> yeah, it could be. We do, of course, know that Beaver is Beaver, not Belvoir. The Duchess of Rutland was very yes. clear on that. So, um, so yeah. Um, yes. We, 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 we're getting there. To our listeners, we're not experts. Um, we, but uh, we, are, we are learning as much from each other as we um, are in, in sharing our own views on, on country houses and, and our thoughts. And if any listeners want to reach out to us on our Instagram channel or um, through um, our email link, um, please do to sort of give us your thoughts and ideas on what we can do in the podcasts, maybe some, some themes or some houses we can, we can look at in more detail and also any thoughts and ideas on, um, on the ways we can improve the podcast would be really helpful. Yeah. Well, we may have landed on one. What are, why are states called these certain names? Where did they get their names? That might be an idea. Oh, the etymology of estates. That's a fun idea. Yes. Uh, and also why they chose the land. Sometimes it's very significant why they chose that plot of land. But also, first and foremost, uh, a few people have asked that we do an episode about recommended books to get into uh, learning about this. And there, there are some great iconic ones that I'm, uh, deep in at the moment as well but we we thank you for joining us for this episode um it's been great to to talk about this cultural aspect and uh hope you join us next week and as always if you can leave us a positive review uh but for now thank you and goodbye mm-hmm.